What better way to talk Colorado football than being bold about it? We're going to give you four bold predictions on today's episode of Locked on Buffs. You are Locked on Buffs, your daily podcast on the Colorado Buffaloes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? This is Locked on Buffs. I'm your host, Kevin Borba, and joining me as always is my recruiting insider, John Garcia Jr. John, how you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, bright and early your time, uh, right right at lunchtime over here on the East Coast, so perfect way to start the day. The perfect way to start the day. Love waking up early. <laughs> we got some bold predictions to address. We're going to talk. We got four bold predictions in total, and we're also going to talk about a certain wide receiver who's been making some defensive backs look silly in some winter workouts over in Boulder. So without further ado, John, also, we'd like to thank you for making Lockdown Bus your first listen of the day. Make sure to like, subscribe, and share this podcast. Let's start with the bold prediction. Um, I'll go first. I don't think the Colorado's done in the transfer portal. Um, the transfer portal window opens right after spring, um, spring ball, if you will, and while they have brought in 45 new players um, totaling from recruiting and the transfer the transfer portal, I don't think they're done. I think they have some more needs across the offensive line. I think they could address the defensive line too if they wanted to. And I also think, and this is not saying to replace Shadar Sanders, I think there's a backup quarterback that's needed that isn't a freshman. Um, they have a very young quarterback room. Um, after Shadar Sanders, it, I'm pretty sure it's just a bunch of freshmen and or walk-ons unless i'm missing over someone but they have some some depth issues at certain positions they could even add another pass catcher if they wanted to there's a lot of places they could go the biggest criticism on on them is depth and so the more depth the better and that's what you're going to get around the second transfer portal time is depth pieces yeah 100 and look there's a lot of position battles you mentioned quarterback my goodness how many teams off the top of your head can you rattle off that are going to have a huge quarterback battle that starts really this weekend a lot of a lot of teams are starting spring ball this weekend i mean go right at the top right georgia alabama ohio state i mean just think of every elite quarterback that's going to go in the draft next month all those schools are reshuffling the deck for the most part trying to figure out who that next qb1 will be which means whoever's maybe two or especially three in some of those races might just might start looking around and you look at a program like Colorado's where the situation is pretty clear at QB one, there's now a path beyond that to, to maybe being the heir apparent to a Shador Sanders for one of these young yet semi-experienced quarterbacks that lose out on a battle at a school like, like Georgia or Alabama or Ohio state in particular, where they obviously have a lot of talent, just hadn't had that opportunity to move all the way up. So yeah, that second portal window is going to be pretty frantic and, and it's going to start as always at the quarterback position. Yeah. I think they have a lot of needs to address still. Um, I think they've done a great job in the portal. I'm not trying to take that away. I just think no coach is going to pass up an opportunity to get better. Um, like you said, there's going to be a lot of quarterback battles. Um, even places like Texas, where you know who the quarterback is, there's still a guy like Malik Murphy, who's kind of stuck in the middle between him and Arch Manning. Um, like you said, Alabama, there's Ty Simpson and Jalen Monroe, and even their two four stars that they brought in. So 
not everybody's going to stick everywhere. I'm not saying any of these guys are entering the portal, but not everybody's going to stick everywhere. Um, so I do think it's likely that the buffs dip back into the portal and just add some depth pieces because the best way to get better is to be a deep team. And they want to play fast. You know, the offenses in the Pac-12 like to air it out. And so having bodies on bodies is a good thing. <laughs> let's, let's hear yours, John. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll go to, to my bread and butter recruiting. And I think... I think we need to circle back to Dylan Edwards um, before Cormani McLean and all the portal victories. Dylan Edwards was the splash get for Deion Sanders. It happened in December. It was very quick, right? A couple days after Sean Lewis was hired, Dylan Edwards made his flip from Notre Dame to Colorado. So that was the first big, uh-oh, Dion is not wasting time in this 23 class, even with limited resources and time they're going to go out and get great players. And what's interesting about Dylan is, of course, the speed. That's what everybody circles back to. But he's a complete football player. You know, I think we we get lost in the track and speed and time conversation. And look, I was at Under Armour. Guess what I was looking forward to? The fastest man race. Because, hey, is he going to beat Nicholas Harbor in a 50-yard dash or 40-yard dash? He did. You know, um, You know, everybody was looking forward to that. And that was the notable point of that week for Dylan Edwards. But if you zoom out and back up a little bit, watch the tape. This is a three phase threat. And what I mean by that is obviously he's listed as a running back. We know that's, that's what his bread and butter is, but he can absolutely work the slot, which as we talk about going forward, pass catchers, that rotation in an up-tempo offense is going to be critical. It's not going to be about one singular receiver. So a running back that has that type of versatility is going to help you. And then, of course, when you do think of speed, you think of the return game, kick and punt return games. You know he's going to be a candidate, uh, especially in kick return situations, to get the football in his hands early and often in his Colorado career. So I think Dylan Edwards, just like we thought the moment he flipped, and again, it got overshadowed by Cormani and some of these portal gets with Travis Hunter and those guys, when Dylan Edwards flipped, it was like, holy bleep, you know he's going to see the field pretty quickly here in Colorado. And then you think of Sean Lewis in particular, guess what he did at Kent state over the last few years, 2,500 yards for his lead back Marquez Cooper. And guess what? Marquez Cooper, five foot six, 180 pounds, Dylan Edwards, five foot six, maybe 175 right now. So that role in this offense in particular has already tangibly worked. And yes, Cooper was destroying Mac level competition for the most part, but go watch the highlights made a lot of plays against Georgia, made a lot of plays against Oklahoma, made a lot of plays against Washington in the PAC 12, right? Teams with pretty good defenses, two of the three, at least. So there's already a precedent in the Sean Lewis system that works for a smaller versatile back. So all of those stars appear to be aligning for Dylan Edwards. And I'm expecting him to literally hit the ground running at Colorado and impact this roster uh, day one, maybe game one in some way, shape or form. And then over time, I think he's going to ascend into a, a really critical piece of this offense, especially if it maintains its creativity and, and rotation as we would expect under Sean Lewis. Yeah. And I think the last part that you touched on the rotation piece is the biggest aspect of this. Um, just because if you look at, and we don't really know how the, the rotations are going to work here at Colorado, but um, we like to base things off of how they have worked in the past. And so if you look at Sean Lewis's offense at Kent state, the past two years, he's had um, 
two years ago in 2021, he had two running backs with over 100 carries. And then the pa- this past season, he had two running backs with at least 70 carries, and they relied on the quarterback throwing the ball a little more. Um, but so the top two running back spots, they're going to get touches. So if Dylan Edwards can kind of slide into that second spot, because um, right now the Kentucky transfer, Kuhosi Smoke, is kind of viewed as the favorite to win the job. Um, and he's a so, downhill contrast to, yeah. to what Edwards would bring. So I, even that works out. Right, so they complement each other. It's kind of like the yin and the yang, power and then speed and finesse, if you will. And obviously Dylan Edwards isn't afraid of contact. It's just at his size, they're going to use him for his speed. And so I think Sean Lewis is going to figure out a way to use him. Um, they really have, I won't say an embarrassment of riches, but they're they're nearing that level. Um, I think they have a lot of weapons to choose from. It's a good problem to have, um, if we're being honest. And I think Dylan Edwards... I, I would say he's probably one of the most the people I'm most excited about heading into the season just because he's a freshman. He's fast. Um, like you said, he's ra- he raced Nicholas Harbor, who has aspirations to compete in Paris 2024 um, yeah, literally. On, on the track circuit. And so that is that just shows you how fast Dylan Edwards is. And I think um, he has a lot of bright things ahead of him. So we'll see which one of our bold predictions comes true. And I don't know if we mentioned this, but these are spring bold predictions too so it's early yeah it's early we're gonna things might change people might redshirt people they might not touch the transfer portal we don't know this is just bold predictions that we think could happen um before we get to our next set of bold predictions it is the midway point of the nba season and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, america's number one sports book because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars that's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. I, I was telling everybody to take the the seven, or the or Grizzlies money line last week. I was disappointed it didn't hit. Um, Joel Embiid blocked John Morant on probably the craziest block I've seen in a hot minute on a dunk. Um, so I don't know. Don't, maybe don't listen to me for bets. I don't know. I talk about college football. Maybe don't listen to me. I feel like threes hit are always a good one for the Warriors, even though Steph Curry is out. Just bet, just take a chance. I don't know. Clay Thompson, threes hit. He'll probably do it. Um, Kevin Durant, take the over for the points. I don't know. Either way. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a bigger chance for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports party special wow, official sports betting partner of the NBA. English is difficult, John. Um <laughs> moving There's on. No doubt. What else what else is difficult is making bold predictions. Um you want to go first this round? Let's let's hear yours. Yeah, I'll 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 keep it kind of as a blend of portal slash recruiting. You know, I I I was living in the Tampa area a couple years ago. And there was this international school that really started to pick up momentum from a recruiting standpoint. They were funneling prospects to this high school and they were becoming D1 guys, um, mainly Canadians, but it was an international school. So they started to dip into Europe, into Africa and other countries uh, and continents. And all of a sudden, mid-season, I believe, uh, I get a phone call. Hey, there's this guy from England, Seydou Traore, who's coming over. Unbelievable hands, great frame. Just needs a lot of refinement, obviously, because he hadn't really played organized football at this level. So he plays like a a little over half a year of football in the States. And the first game I saw him play live was against Shaman Armadonna, which is a perennial power in the state of Florida. And he has like eight catches for 90 yards and a touchdown against a future Ohio State cornerback. 
uh, in Ryan Turner, who, who's going to be a star for the Buckeyes here sooner rather than later. So I'm like, okay, we probably need to write about this kid and follow him a little bit. So he picks up a little bit of recruiting traction, G5 offers, ends up at Arkansas State. Again, big frame, adds weight, and becomes a tight end. Year one at ASU, total learning process. Year two, 2022, breakout, right? One of the top receiving tight ends in the country. The light bulb just kind of went on all at one point. And then, of course, he becomes a huge commodity in the transfer portal and ends up at Colorado. And I think the timing of his ascent and the implementation of an offense that we've talked about it is going to rely on a lot of people. There's no, I don't think this is going to build up to a clear wide receiver one, wide receiver two, wide receiver three, tight end one. I think it's going to be a, a jumble, especially early on at, at, at this 2023 campaign, which makes me think Treore, as he continues to ascend, can really link up with Shador Sanders and kind of be his guy. Not only because he's got a great frame and catch radius, but because he's going to be this blended tight end hybrid receiver, new age, modern something on the outside. So if you think of tempo and RPO, what I mean, it's geography or it's geometry, right? What's the shortest distance between two points? A straight line. The tight end is typically lined up a little bit closer to the quarterback than, than some of their, their wide receiver counterparts. So I think there's a potential to be a security blanket, even in an offense that really doesn't mimic what we see, you know, conventionally on Sundays where it's like if there's a security blanket, it's play action, it's it's slowed down and it's kind of a bailout. I think you could still see it in a modern sense. And Traore has got all of the tools to become that. Um, I've, I've been texting with some coaches of his and he's gained some good weight. Um, he's rounding into shape and, and he's pumped. I mean, watch his YouTube stuff that, that he's putting out there at Colorado. There was always kind of this chip on his shoulder that I belong at the highest level, but you could understand why it was a slower process. Remember, in high school, comes over to America. It's following the COVID years, understandably under the radar, even though he made some impressive performances in front of yours truly and, and many others. Uh, but obviously now the college tape has, has done the talking for him. So now he's got that power five opportunity with the spotlight, something he has always wanted. And the reason you, pe you pack your bags and leave London, England to go chase a dream in the States. I'm a, I'm such a big fan of international players because they just have more at stake than everybody else. And typically when your back's against the wall like that, your effort is never questioned. So if all those stars continue to align for Traore with an experienced quarterback in an up-tempo system on a roster that, look, it's probably going to be trailing in year one a lot and, and throwing the ball a little bit more than everybody's accustomed to, all of that screams huge impact for Traore, but I think it's to the point where he will be the de facto security blanket and bailout guy for Shador Sanders, uh, both early and often uh, in this 2023 season. So I'm, I can't wait to see what he looks like in this Buffs offense. Yeah, and before I continue, I want to thank you guys again for making Locked on Buffs your first listen every day. Make sure to check out our brand new podcast, Locked on College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place, plus hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Um, I think one thing that we should definitely discuss and point out is Sean Lewis is going to have to adapt to Traore. Um, I don't know. I, I doubt he's had the type of player that Traore is at Kent State, um, just because if you look at the stats from the past few years, Kent State has not had a tight end that surpasses 10 catches. 
I don't think that happens with Treyori. I, I think that if that happens with Treyori's promises were broken, I feel like, and opportunity, hit the portal again. <laughs> yeah, opportunities were missed. Like he he's bigger than any of the receivers they have. He's probably I don't want to say he's probably as fast as them because Colorado might have one of the fastest receiver cores in the country, but he's he's quick. He can move. He's got um, linear speed too. Absolutely. Yeah, especially relative to his size. But if you look at comparing. Shadur Sanders is how he sprayed the ball over at Jackson State. He went a lot to his tight end this past year. I think he had something like 38 catches, over 30 catches at least. I think it was 38 is the number. And so I think he likes to have someone who is always open. Think of Travis Kelsey in the Super Bowl, if you will. Someone who's always open over the middle. You know if you get it to him, he's going to make a big play. And honestly, we've seen Traore make those big plays. I think the play that stands out is the one against Memphis um, this past year or the year before where uh, probably this past year, cause I was his breakout year um, where he just outruns everybody. And so I think there's going to be a lot of situations where he's in open space and Shadur Sanders, who has one of the better arms in college football will get the ball to him. So I think that is a bold prediction, but I also think of all of our predictions, I feel like that is probably one B in terms of like probably going to happen. <laughs> like the <laughs> safest bet. So far. yeah. Yeah. Um, just because especially when there's a lot of wide receivers, um, and defensive backs are obviously pressing these wide receivers and trying to make life difficult. Someone who's going to have a mismatch probably every play is Sandy Troyer. Too big for or too fast for linebackers, too big for safeties. So you especially gotta- if he balances out, if he and Tim Brewster is is a classic in this sense as a tight end coach. If he balances out and puts on good weight and and works in line more, I think his ceiling goes even higher in this offense in particular because of what you just said. There's so many moving parts that if you can move him around more as opposed to having him just be kind of a jumbo wide receiver, if mm-hmm. he balances out, not only will, will it help his, his Sunday prospects, but man, on Saturdays, it'll make everybody's life that much easier. And I think he's got the mentality to ascend to that and, and the willingness to actually become a good leverage blocker on, on top of all of this. So that's another element that that is unknown at this time. But mm-hmm. I do think over time uh, he could become a, a dual threat tight end, which is not something we talk about enough, but that's important. There's still a huge role for somebody like that. Yeah, and we'll find out more as spring ball picks up and begins with their spring game on April 22nd. Uh, well, I guess that's what it ends with. But going to be a very packed crowd. A lot of people excited to see the buffs. Um, I think there's another transfer that deserves some love. And I do think this is, will be my bold prediction is that the Dartmouth trans- transfer, Shane Cox will solidify his role in some fashion. I don't know what his role is going to be. Um, he stands in at six, three, I believe two seventy five. So he has some size. Um, obviously he's not going to be playing defense tackle or nose tackle by any means, but he could move across the defensive line. I think he solidifies a role. Uh, he's a former two-time all Ivy leaguer type of guy. Obviously these Ivy league kids are smart. Um, when you have a defense that is obviously you have Jordan Dominic, you have Travis Hunter, um, Demoy Kennedy, whoever name any transfer you want. I don't really care. A lot of new pieces, a lot of new faces. Some of them are young. Um, some of them haven't played as much. This is where Shane Cooks comes in Ivy league guy. So he's probably a pretty cerebral guy. He's been on a college football field for a few years now. He's a grad transfer and he had eight and a half sacks the past two years. He, he can not only kind of bring this team together as a leader, I think he could lead by example. And I honestly think he might be a nice compliment to Jordan Dominic, who is going to be on one side rushing the passer. And I think Colorado needs someone to step up as a leader. And I think obviously you would like it to be Travis Hunter, but it's not often that I feel like defensive backs are like the, 
the heart and soul of a defense. And so we'll see how Shane Coates kind of establishes himself and kind of gets on the map of a lot of people who are more excited about the SEC transfers or the Big Ten transfers. Because when you see a transfer, you instantly go to the big schools like, oh, this guy came from Alabama or this guy came from Arkansas. Don't sleep on my Dartmouth guy. I like that. Um, not not only do you expect him to be smart and and confident in the margins, but like you said, that experience, a lot of these transfers that are coming in made transfer decisions because they lacked experience, right? We just talked about that May portal window that's going to open up. A lot of those guys want that, that love and they want that opportunity to see the field. So they make a move and Colorado's benefited from that, that type of approach with a lot of these transfers. I would say more, more than not uh, in the hall that we've seen thus far. So yeah, I mean, Cooks has got as much experience as as the Jackson State transfers that do come as a, as a minority and saying, hey, we have a ton of experience on top of uh, some ability. So I agree. You know, we, we talk more about the linebackers, um, the second level and certainly the secondary players, but it all starts up front. If those guys aren't cooking, it don't matter how fast DeMoy Kennedy is, how physical Levante Bentley is, uh, or how fluid Hunter and Cormani McLean and those guys are. If that group up front isn't doing their job, it won't matter. And, and Colorado's going to get boat race more times than not. So, yeah, it's almost like he has to be an impact player uh, among those up front. So I like that pick. And I got two fun facts for you. If you don't know where Dartmouth is, it's in New Hampshire. If you don't know where New Hampshire is, grab a map because I don't either. Um, I did live in Connecticut for the for a year. I, I didn't pick up that East Coast geography that well. Um, but no, my other fun fact is that he graduated from Dartmouth in three years. Um, he got there in 2019, I believe. Um, obviously, they missed the COVID year. And then so his two seasons that he played were 2019 and 2022. Big, big experience guy. Um, or he played 2021, obviously, too. But 2019, he had one tackle. So I'm not going to count that. Um, sure is a great tackle. Not counting it. Um, 2019, 2022, big experience for him. I think the more kind of continuity they can get, whether it comes from him or someone in the linebacker core or even the safeties, it doesn't matter who it is. I just think they need to kind of mesh. And I think that's going to be their biggest challenge this offseason is kind of Obviously, it's all fun and games to be friends with each other. I think we've seen on YouTube and social media that they're all like close and they like to hang out. But I think you have to build that connection on the field. And I think having someone step up as a leader will help them do that. Yeah, it'll change when the pads come on here in, in a couple days and, and we really get this thing cracking. You know, I think that is there's a lot of there's still a lot of self evaluation for Deion Sanders and company. And this is definitely the longest we've gone into a podcast without saying Deion Sanders. So shout out to us for yeah. getting better every day. <laughs> uh, th that's where we're still uncertain about this coaching staff. And that's the other thing. This coaching staff comes from everywhere. They've got to kind of mesh with themselves. Uh, so, so this spring is going to be such a, a fun uh, experiment in humanity, right? Because all of these players, like you said, almost 50 new players, and, and it might be a higher number by the time we get to, to the end of the next portal window, and all these new coaches coming together, uh, but that's going to be fascinating to see just in principle, uh, much less in, in execution. Yeah, and honestly, don't be surprised if the Buffs lose some players to the transfer portal. Yeah, it works both right. ways. Um, I think maybe some guys that stuck around who maybe didn't get the role they would have hoped in spring – may hit the portal um you never know the the weird thing about spring ball is one position battles can be started and decided or two they could just be started 
So yes. you never know if, if it's going to be over until you get to fall camp. And even if someone wins the position battle in spring camp, that doesn't mean it's theirs until yeah. the season. Starts. Outside of QB1 um, and, and CB1, I think there's, you know, <laughs> there's yeah. there's a lot of other spots that are going to be up for grabs. And, yeah, it's advantageous for Colorado to not be decided on, on some of those because you want to keep that competition and breed it as long as possible um because not only does it help you retain players which is we talked about depth being an issue but it helps you push whoever that starter will be and offensively again we keep talking about it it's not just about that starting 11 it's about the two and three deep at some of these positions so that'll be critical as well yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a great spring um i think and i talked about it and one of the things i wrote yesterday on athlon spring football is the last little taste of football we get um, from the college level for a few months and then we got to wait until august late august um we get some fall scrimmages and then that that's for us sickos and then like real football starts like the beginning of september week zero i know everybody's got hawaii against vanderbilt circled again um we all we're all waiting we're all wanting college football and this is our last taste of it for a little bit so we got to embrace it um just dive in, follow us along here. We'll have all the rumors you need to know. Um, before we conclude, John, I sent you the video because it was truly eye-opening. Um, we all knew that Jimmy Horn Jr., the USF transfer, was fast. Uh, I don't think me saying he's fast puts it into perspective as to how quick he is. Um, they're doing one-on-ones, no pads, just one-on-one open field. Uh, quarterback probably not being rushed, so... He's making perfect throws. Probably Shadur. That ball had some zip on it. I'm, I'm assuming assuming it's Shadur. Um, I don't know for sure, though. But Jimmy Horn was absolutely toasting whoever was trying to cover him. Um, he was – they weren't even getting a hand on him uh, at the line of scrimmage. They kind of backed off of him, which I don't know what your, your preference would be if, with someone that fast if you want to give him space. Um, I feel like I wouldn't want to give him space because then he's just going to run by me. Yeah. I feel like I, I feel like I'd want to push him a little bit. I don't know. Um, but let's just talk about the Jimmy Horn speed and what he could bring to this team. He's just a playmaker. All the things we said about Dylan Edwards, Jimmy Horn is the older, more experienced version of that. And as a route runner, specifically as a wide receiver, there's so much polish there. Uh, mm-hmm. Just a pure playmaker. You think of these Florida natives that have kind of reinvented what slot receivers are. You go back, you can go back to Santana Moss in the 90s and early 2000s, certainly Antonio Brown, um, Elijah Moore more recently. These guys are, they're 5'8", five, 5'9", five, but you can't, like you said, you can't press them at the line of scrimmage because they're too quick and they can stagger their release enough to, to get behind you quickly. But if you play off, you give a slot receiver a two-way go. And the, these route runners are too polished nowadays in that light. And Jimmy Horn's kind of the next guy up in that line. I don't say that lightly, you know, in my home state. So, yeah, I think uh, as, as a tight end, you're a security blanket. And we talked about that with Traore. If you're a great route runner in the slot, it's the same principle. You're just a much smaller guy. But the difference with Horn is you can hand him the ball, bubble screen it. Um, he was a great Wildcat quarterback in high school, went, went to a state title game. Um, and I think people need the reminder, you know, him picking USF was an upset. Like Georgia was the last big scholarship offer in for him after that state title game. Um, so it, Travis Hunter's not the only bulldog target 
on this Colorado roster. Uh, you know, Jimmy Horn is is that guy offensively, uh, and there's a reason for it. So don't underestimate him because he's a USF transfer, a group of five transfer. No, this is a big-time Power 5 guy who's going to have a chance to strut his stuff even more in this type of Sean Lewis system. That's about as good a fit as there is at any position. We talked about Edwards and Traore, even Shador in Sean Lewis's offense. Jimmy Horn might be the best classic fit in what Lewis wants to do. So obviously I'm excited. And that sample that we all got is only going to increase those expectations. Yeah. And I think honestly, when Jimmy Horn hit the portal, I'm sure most, if not all power five programs gave him a call. Um, having this kind of game breaking speed. Yeah. Does not and him and Penn state were like in his final group before picking Colorado. So even as a portal prospect, it wasn't just, Oh, I'm going to go play for Dion. Like, no, he took visits. A lot of schools offered, as you mentioned, and, and he was down to, I believe, Houston, AM, Penn State, and, and Colorado before make, making this selection. And all those offenses, you know, are, are opening up more and more, particularly Houston and Colorado. So you understand why he made those selections as well. So, yeah, two-time Power Five recruit, and that's that's not something a lot of guys can say. Yeah, for sure. And honestly, I think we'll see this in spring, too. I think the wide receivers have a lot more to prove um specifically this group just because they're proven at their past schools but if you could get on sean lewis's little rolodex of like he likes you you're gonna be getting touches okay because sean lewis likes to air the ball out he likes receivers to have a lot of catches and it's not gonna be some kind of like oh so-and-so is getting more touches than me it's gonna be Whoever gets the ball, they're going to make plays, and he's going to try to spread the ball out as much as possible. Looking at the stats from last year, they had two receivers with 50 catches. They had someone with 30, and so there's a lot of opportunity to go around. Um, and I'm excited for what Jimmy Horn can do. I'd also like to thank you guys for listening and making this your first listen of the day. We also want you to have a second listen of the day. Check out our brand-new podcast, Locked on College Basketball, for experts Isaac Shaw and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court, plus hear from big-name experts, coaches, and players throughout basketball, the basketball landscape. Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. You can find us wherever you get your podcast on YouTube. I'm Kevin Borba. He's John Garcia. We will see you guys um, tomorrow as we have a new episode every single day.